0: Greetings to everyone listening. This is the Greek Speak podcast featuring the Archon and the Greek. I'm the Archon, creator of greekspeak.com, and joining me for episode 2 of the podcast is my co-host, the Greek, who will be with me in just a second. So it's been a few weeks since episode 1, and I would have hoped to do these streams at more consistent intervals, but my schedule hasn't allowed that to be the case. Luckily, though, I've just offloaded a bunch of work, so I think we'll have... Less time between the recordings moving forward. The previous podcasts have been getting some plays and some downloads, so thank you to those who have shown an interest in that. I've hit the download limit for episode 0 at 100 downloads, so I'll have to switch to the SoundCloud Premium tier before people can get more of those. But I'm working on it. With regards to this stream, you can um, use the live stream group chat in the GreekSpeak chat room if you have any questions, and I will be checking that regularly. As usual, Greekspeak.com has no political, religious, or commercial affiliations, and is completely funded and managed by myself. And that's it for my introduction. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show, and thanks again for listening. Hi, Greek.
1: Are you there? Yeah, greetings. Yep. Yep. How you doing? As we said, we'd meet up and do another sonic event, as I call them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's how I'm doing. And uh, uh, let's get started.
0: So for this stream, we're going to be doing the themes of mindset and objectivity. You've talked about that in the past as separate subjects, but I do think that there's a relationship to be found there. So um, I'd like us to highlight that, and um, we'll see if we can perhaps merge the two towards the end. By the way, for those who are interested, there's an article on Greekspeak.com called The Question of Perception that you can check out if you want, and it's my first writing on that theme. Um, So yeah, let's get started, Greek. A lot has been said historically about people who know versus people who don't know, and I think one of the reoccurring sort of boasts throughout history is that people get to a point, or mankind gets to a point, where he becomes enlightened through access to special knowledge, whether it's the Greco-Roman philosophical texts during the Renaissance or the scientific achievements of the 20th century. Um, And we see some things similar to that in ancient times with the Gnostics and various mystery religions. But when I look at those developments, I don't really see any suspension of cosmic censorship that we talked about in the last episode. So that same censorship sort of persists In the face of whatever knowledge has abounded and you've talked about in the past how having knowledge is not actually the key to arriving at true insight but that having the proper mindset should actually precede that pursuit
1: of knowledge can you expand on that a bit well uh, yeah maybe uh, uh, work around what you just said Um, uh, let's say uh, well the mindset and the knowledge aspect of it it is knowledge is very important but the mindset does not let one arise to knowledge objectively In other words, there's plenty of knowledge of many events that are rationally proven as being false, as they are projected publicly, right? Uh, Yeah, uh, in science and medicine and religion, you know, for example, in the Christendom, you know, they project all of these uh, high holy days, which are blatantly false, and no one seems to care. I mean, so does the knowledge? uh, What kind of a mindset? Do you need to gain knowledge of that? You see, but if you gain knowledge that uh, Christendom's high holidays are, are true, let's say based on what they say they're based on, that is the wrong mindset. I mean, there's a lot of knowledge on Easter egg hunting, right? Or Christmas, isn't there? A lot of knowledge about that, but if you actually put it uh, in a perspective, you'll notice that it's a farce. Uh, So the mindset is what puts the perspective, you know, or or dictates uh, what category it'll be and how it'll be sorted. Think of mindset as sorting as a sorting mental or spiritual or, you know, uh, psychological sorting mechanism, if you will. Yeah, the the sorting mechanism will uh, always hold up um, uh, what sorting mechanisms do, which are various bins or categories or placements for what's coming through that sorting mechanism. So you have knowledge and then you have, how is that knowledge sorted? Um, And then there's, you know, obviously uh, the cultural aspect, but you mentioned also about the uh, mystery schools and censorship and the Gnostics and all that. All religions are mystery schools, Uh, uh, meaning um, uh, you recently there in the American intelligence agencies, uh, one of the former leaders there came out publicly in some news articles and says, yes. The CIA uh, does have classes on how to cheat, lie and steal. Right. OK, well, intelligence agencies all over the world through time have always been part of uh, the ruling class and the ruling class always had a, a, some kind of deity or, or, you know, what you might call in modern days, church, synagogue or some kind of convention. Right. So uh, the religious aspects of uh, the current faiths in the world, esoteric all the way to the mainstream, are mystery schools in the sense that they employ several layers of um, uh, perception. They have the mass control perception, you know, the faith of the people categorically. You know, like in today's world, it would be Judaism, uh, Christianity or Islam generally, and they kind of leave out the Hindu culture, but... Let's include those. And if you look at each one of those uh, cultures, religi- uh, religious uh, institutions, they have many layers in there. They have the layer that they publicly uh, put out. And then they have the working layer, the administrative layer, uh, which is what allows them uh, to influence other institutions to maintain a position of power and, and uh, remain as an institution. And then you have another layer, which is the secret goings on behind closed doors where only, uh, you know, the initiates are, are into. And it, yes, it sounds like a lot of the what you hear in, in secret societies, Illuminati, Freemasonic you know, other societies like that. They're, they're all based on the same template. So uh, the same goes with science. Uh, the same goes with medicine. Um, that's why, for example, in medicine, you'll see that, uh, for example, cancer treatments that are prescribed to the public at large are never used by the higher ups within the medical community right what are they doing right see so there's many levels you know to it you hear now there's a lot of stuff talking about the deep state that runs the regular state eh, that's kind of a spurious thing because they don't understand what a sovereign state is you know there is no a hidden government the government is simply an institution that is corporatized and it has uh, private shareholders it could be anywhere from you know a handful of people to several scores of people owning uh, groups of countries and people just don't understand that and that's fine. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't say it. So there is a secret aspect to everything, even food. People go to the supermarket and they purchase food uh, to eat or whatever or even if they grow it, uh, they don't do it autonomously. They engage in commerce to obtain things. And you know, How many times do you find out uh, later on that something was dangerous or cancerous? Well, why wasn't it explicitly shown uh, when, when it was initially introduced to market? It was always known to be such. I mean, they're not that uh, devoid of the knowledge of what they're putting into the food uh, chain, let's say. So every aspect of what people engage in consciously, whether it's uh, the mindset sorting mechanism or the knowledge, there's many layers to it. I I like uh, referencing Dmitry Kalazov. He's a sort of a nonchalant Internet celebrity regarding the events of 9-11. He talks about there are three truths. You know, the first truth is what you give the public. The second truth is what you give those that administer the public. And then there's the third truth, which is really what what's happening. Right now, uh, from from the sorting mechanism, there's many ways to discuss it. Uh, you know, the mindset, like the average, uh, they call them the masses, the public at large, seven billion plus, whatever the number is. They're not viewed as individuals or viewed as a single group or an entity, just like you would say, uh, I went to the beach. You you don't, the word beach does not include all of the billions or trillions of grains of sand. It's just a single entity made up of many components, you see. So when you address the masses, uh, um, it's one way. Because they're actually a single component. Forget about all the stuff you're told about. You, you, you're an individual and you have a right to, to do this and you're free. You're not actually in, in private whenever you're confronted with, with authority in any institution, they always tell you, you have to be like everyone else. So, to, to, you know, that's another part of the that, that third truth or that uh, what I call uh, the bovine reality. Right bovine excrement reality then there's the second truth let's say or you go higher up behind and then there's the story or the ideology of those that run these institutions whether it's educational religious uh, governmental medical scientific whatever they have a, another credo, another mindset to run. You know, they need to keep things in order because that's their task. They're the administrators, the facilitators. And then you have those that are behind that make all of the deals on how to maintain something, an institution through time, or, or actually evacuate it from uh, memory or eliminate it, right? There's institutions that have gone by the wayside over the years. Uh, Those uh, guys that are and gals that are behind the scenes that are maintaining power or negotiating to keep the power or monitoring the system have a different ideology and mindset again. Now just to interject something when you go into the whether you want to consider them higher or lower is irrelevant when you go into the first tier the let's say the oligarchs or those that are running the the administrators that are running the public their mindset you can discuss the things we discuss in greek speak and they get a chuckle and they laugh they're like yeah it's totally fine that's exactly how it is right and when when you go to the second level uh the administrative level they're all like well you know well yeah who are you going to tell that to right meaning like you know your information we can discredit then when you go to the masses which is the seven billion, with this, inf- this type of Greek-speak information. They're like, oh, that can't be true. that nah, get out of here, I don't believe that. See, so that is, again, another form of sorting, isn't it? So, uh, same thing, religious, medical, scientific, whatever, all of these institutions and parts of the human culture have the same structure. What is told to the masses, what is told to those that are running the masses, and then those that are actually in control of those running the masses. Right, and, and just in short, in summary, Greek speak is not uh, a dialogue or a narrative directed towards the masses or the mass, whether it's seven billion or a million or a hundred million. They're all just consider them one thing They you know, you, you know, you've seen one, you've seen them all kind of thing with slight difference. Of course, people have their individual traits, but it's like if you go to a bread a bakery, a bakery where they bake millions of loaves. Of bread a day, you, they're they're monitored so they all look the same. But I'm telling you, no two loaves of bread are baked alike. But they're all packaged and they're discounted and they're thrown away very easily. They're not considered very important, but they do make the substance of the food chain. So people are the same way; they tend to have individual qualities, individual character, individual thoughts. But really, when when you are on the level, of thinking and absorbing as truth what is put out to that group, you're just you're all the same. You meet meet one. In other words, you go outside your door and you run into someone on the street. Chances are how many more people you run into the street on any day or any week or any year, they're all going to be generally the same. That's what I mean by the masses. And then you have the administrators of the more privileged type. They have a different mindset on their position It is to make sure that the masses act like the masses should based on whatever script has been determined. And then you have, again, those that are beyond, uh, those, those that own or control the administrators, right? In other words, those that control the president or the CEO or the administrator. And they have a different mindset again. So just to repeat myself, the Greek speak is not directed towards or anyone, but it is more in line with that first group.
0: Okay, but let's look at it at the level of an individual, say right, because ultimately there's always an exception, and if we're talking about a number of 7 billion, then the exception that pertains to that could be in the several hundreds of millions, right, so we could still make a significant pool of people, even though they're spread out all over the place, that could use this kind of information, so in your appearance on other podcasts, you've mentioned something called the quote-unquote proper mindset, so let's look at that. And you also did mention in episode zero that definitions are important. So let's emphasize that here also. If I were to venture the definition of mindset as being something like an established set of attitudes held by somebody or a characteristic way of thinking, how would you triangulate those conceptions into understanding what a
1: proper mindset is? Okay, simple. Uh, Let's say this is the earth and things are done a certain way. Well, Well, what is that way? How are things done? Ultimately, you're going to figure out that it is a dictatorship uh, meaning not the way that people are told what a dictatorship is meaning there is communication and within the, those communications there's hierarchy and the highest hierarchy within communicating on planet earth is what's known as a vow a pledge or a contract okay so uh, once that that is embedded within the society And just to go back for a moment, when I say the society, we could bounce back and forth between the three levels there that we just mentioned. But just like the old writs have written, you know, the, the poor man and the rich man or the king and the pauper are both born naked and die naked, right? They all bleed the same. They all need food and water and drink. So when I mentioned the three groups prior, yes, they all generally come from the same pool, bloodlines aside, right so well and you mentioned also that there might be someone more exceptional that can use this information in any one of those positions right so so we we toggle back and forth to the general group that's been sorted and subdivided the way that we mentioned earlier with the ultimate top controllers the administrators and the masses they all, all come from the same pool essentially that have been sorted into those positions but essentially um to go back to to the question i would say that uh the um how would you how would you align in other words what you say do you mean what you say and you say what you mean right the concept of a contract that is basically the the idea on how everything runs uh give you an example and this is actually how you keep the masses in control and why they need to be kept ignorant Give an example in the financial system anyone uh, even even if you're uh, not considered with sharpest tool in the shed and not that smart or intelligent now with the uh, what's facilitated called the internet and information access, anyone within five or ten minutes that has a clear mind and seeks comprehension can discover the world financial system is a credit based system. And within another five minutes, if you ask where does it come from, you might start going on the fringe because it's not polite to ask where where the credit comes from, but actually comes from a system of pledges, right? So, for example, again, spend another five minutes, now you're 15 minutes into researching this on the Internet, let's say, or even a law library you will find out that there is no money. And essentially when you make purchases with financial institutions or government institutions or corporations or banks, what they call banks, uh, they have no money to lend you. They actually take your signature and whatever is written on the paper that you signed to is created out of thin air essentially based on the credit that you have. Basically the credit you, you have, you've been pledged as, as a child through a birth certificate and that has a certain value, right? This is very easy to discover, and this is actually uh, n- not um, discredited or, or denied by anyone in the first two that we mentioned earlier sections of society. This is absolutely agreed to. But then how can someone who's walking around with a, a long frown on their face say, hey, why are you so sad? This is because I am in debt, and I am in trouble if I don't pay that debt. Well, how could there be a debt if there is no money it's a credit based economy and they actually just took your signature and monetized it right? and gave it to you in the form of an account that you can draw from or something right and re- these are not really accounts because in reality an account has to have something in it but this is how the merchant system has always worked by the way within merchants so the people are actually sad they're people being uh, harmed by not being able to quote unquote pay a debt. Now, if you go back to try to counter this on the very regular convention in the, what they call the courts or the banks, they always say, well, we have a contract here. You agreed that this is a debt, even though there was nothing, right, you see? Now, the same thing goes with um, religious, all the religions with the stuff they put in front of people. If you start bringing up the, let's say, usually there's a text, an ancient writ that 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 leaders of that religion profess to adhere to. Well, if you read any of those texts in any religion, <clears throat> you'll see that the religions are not doing anything in the text or maybe resembles it, but not not doing it well at all. When you bring that issue up, they'll say, well, we don't go by that, really. We go by our tradition. And you agreed, you see, you're, how dare you question As You agreed to be part of our congregation. The same thing goes with the medical system, right? You, When you go to a doctor, you have to sign a consent form, which really um, releases them of liability of anything they do to you. If you ever read the consent forms of the doctors, it's pretty scary, you see. Uh, it goes on and on and on and on. So uh, what? Uh, pretty much most of what people are engaged in is based on falsehood and it's a falsehood that we can uh, can be described succinctly like i just did with the financial system but the true the the, the reality of it is that um, what's pressed upon them what pressed meaning to oppress them is that they vowed to do it anyway see the issue with people with for example money and debt <clears throat> the issue is not whether they lent you anything you signed a contract saying you're going to do it but right uh, but i never got anything well that That's irrelevant. That's your concept. What are you talking about? No, what, you know, everybody knows, you know, the plausible aspect, right? You see, so um, this is basically how the earth is run. It's by pledges and by agreements. That's why, for example, even today, uh, one of the, well, actually, in many ways, uh, yes, in many ways, no. Even today, um, one of the gravest things you can do to someone other than extreme physical violence is to insult them. How many times have you heard that? Right? Right? You, they feel insulted or humiliated or dishonored. Right? So it's basically what you say uh, and and when you say it and, and and if you mean what you're saying that holds everything together. And knowing that uh, would lead one to actually be more careful about what they say and what they agree to, especially if it's in what they call legal contract form, right? Uh, or or beyond, you know. Because the proper mindset, uh, because you have the faculty, is to investigate or read or study a little bit about these things before you engage them. But you have something called culture and tradition, which is which is what uh, steers the individual into doing how and what they do. Right? So, I mean, uh, it's very easy to, to, if you were to visit the earth... From somewhere else where they did have a proper mindset, and there is such a thing as a proper mindset, by the way, uh, as you brought up, and hopefully I'll bring that forward a little bit more. Is um, they would say they would come to the earth and say these people are insane. It's not a meaning not healthy uh, as a group. It doesn't matter what country you go to. Again, the masses, right? So, but then again, if you go to the administrators, uh, those that are controlling the masses, and you poise the same. You know or come to them with the same posture let's see if they're doing the right thing they they don't even know what to do right they're just they'll just say this is how we do it and this is how we've been told by who well when eventually when you find out who is telling them what to do and how to do it in any institution or any aspect of human society you will find a small group of people that um, are let's say we've brought up the word esoteric <laughs> nonetheless extremely sublime and esoteric and their belief system and their mindset has absolutely nothing to do with who they've hired as administrators and ultimately not only the masses that they rule but actually the masses that they believe they actually own and if you ask them how do you own the people they say well they pledged everything to us right so um People also have an idea uh, uh, of knowing things when they have not studied it. Simply hearing about something is not knowing it. Or, or you know, hear, hearing hearing, or, 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 or listening or engaging something as it is done superficially by most people through their whole lives about everything, even how to raise children, for example, is not studying it. Uh, example would be, let's say, studying an ancient manuscript is not the same as reading it. Right. Study means to actually look at it and comprehend it. So mm. if you were to say that the majority of the people, if if you were to put, let's say, a giant rubber stamp on the earth and say no one here is paying attention statistically, that would be very accurate statistically. There is a very small group of people that do. I mean, uh, uh, even from the three levels that we've discussed. So the proper mindset, based on what you're saying, is
0: the ability for somebody to Assess reality based on the empiricism of their surroundings to commit themselves to studying that as opposed to just going off of assumption
1: Well, study it and also understand that the most important thing on earth is what you say And do you mean what you say and are you going to do what you say? It's one of those things Mm -hmm. People don't discuss it. Uh, For example uh, years ago. There was a uh, one of these law enforcement TV shows back in the sixties or seventies. And the, the, as the, as the show opened, they have the opening credit, let's say, and they have the star of the show. I forgot the name of it, but it was a detective speaking. And he says, well, we're going out to stop crime and make sure people fulfill their contracts and make sure that what this is a made for TV thing back in the six. It actually just said it, you know? So, so the thing is, um, it, it's very simple. um, in other words, the things that people find uh, disharmonious in their lives are there because they put themselves there. Well, how? Because what happens is uh, they, the disharmony that they're experiencing is nothing but the follow through of what they said they were do, going to do and not doing it. So, again, the financial system is an easy one. There, there, it's, you cannot be expected to fulfill an impossibility of law. Right. If something is impossible, the law cannot demand you do it. Well, one of those things, believe it or not, is debt in a credit based economy. You can't be a lender and a creditor, the same person. Can you have, let's say, a silver coin or a coin in your right pocket and say, I'm going to lend it to myself when I move it over to the left? Hmm, that's kind of ridiculous. And this is the way this financial system works. The same with the medical industry. But in order for people
0: to properly comprehend that, because we do understand that to a certain extent you're speaking over people's heads because they haven't studied it. So we'll, we'll we'll, of course, have to take it on the face of what you're saying, and then people have to go and look into it themselves. But when we talk about developing this proper mindset, which perhaps we could do a little better job of quantifying it, but at least we can say that it escapes most people. So whenever people discuss mental phenomena, such as mindset, things get a bit abstract, which is what I want to get away from, because it's not like the material world. For example, when it comes to feats of physical prowess, you either run the distance or you don't, you either climb to the top of the mountain or you didn't, and the difference between success and failure is pretty well defined and understood. But when you're trying to encourage or build up a mindset, it's easy to encounter resistance in the world where people don't agree on what's proper or what's not or what's important or what's not. So the um, development of a proper mindset, why is that so difficult for people?
1: Well, which people is it going to be the masses which are seven billion that are all act as one uh, and then you have the, the within the society who are you running into an administrator like someone who's been tasked by the owners, let's say to make sure that the masses are in line or in check or going about you know certain amount of stability, which I want to talk about also what stability and peace means to man right now. And Or you can run into, albeit in secret, they don't show up with pomp and circumstance and limousines and big uh, 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 announcements, Uh, the people that own everyone, they think they own everyone on the planet at least, and they can prove it on paper. So then we say it like this,
0: you're talking to, there's three people behind a curtain, you don't know who's who and you don't know who represents what mindset, so now you have to make a sort of general all-encompassing statement so that whoever's behind the curtain will be able to absorb what you're saying.
1: Well, the, what I would say to them is, I want nothing to do with any of you until I find out a little bit more of what's going on on this earth. Right? And as you start to find out what's going on on this earth, then you'd, you'd have to address each one individually. Like, for example, a simple way to do that is with the masses, you completely avoid them. You know, But it doesn't mean you have to be unci- uncivil. And if you're running a business and you have employees, you just deal with people on a level that is strictly what you're dealing with them on. Right. And sometimes you have to be cordial and uh, you have to always be polite and impeccable in how you look, how you perform, you know, uh, what you especially when you say you're going to do something. But there is no hope in them. There is no you just you know, if the one emerges um, that seems to be extraordinary, then you take account of that. The administrators are also to be avoided. Right, because they they're not in that position because they were chosen for their merit. They 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 look for merit, but also they're heavily heavily compromised. And then you have those that think they own the world, and they'll just laugh at everything you say, no matter what. Okay, so we're going to make <laughs> so, we're
0: we're going to have to operate based on a presumption that we're talking to an extraordinary person who happens to find himself among the masses by being a victim of circumstance.
1: Well, then you have what's called. Um, uh, a potential for a fellowship, right? Because the typical uh, aspect of fellowship is people that share things in common,
0: right? Mm-hmm. But let's say you find this person, and even if you want to fellowship with them, that's very fine and well, because you realize that there's something to be developed, but that person is still going to be censored to a certain degree, and that person is still going to have a lacking mindset to a certain degree. So my wondering is, why would it be difficult for even that person to escape the norm that has infected everybody else?
1: Well, the thing is, well, okay, uh, you could look at it from many ways. From the initial aspect of you determining that this person is extraordinary, they would have already overcome most of the pitfalls of the censorship and the poor mindset or the low quality thinking or the pitfalls that the masses have, right? So you've, they've already one of the ways you would uh, determine, determine or qualify that they are extraordinary is that they've already uh, passed many of the hurdles that would be considered basic, which would be why you'd, it would be very simple to say avoid the masses because they can't even overcome the most basic thought form. Right. So this person, obviously, uh, in most cases, if they if they deem to be extraordinary, has overcome that. So now you're going to be working on another level of the censorship, which, again, goes back to perception, studying, observation, discussion, good science, for example. Right. We don't know about this, but it could be this. It could be that. Take good notes and observe it. Right. Uh, So uh, the the aspect of some, uh, you know, when we break away from the. the, the general three groups, let's say, and the, the person who is extraordinary has already overcome many of the, these basic things. And I think we've gone into, in the past, uh, what the cosmic censorship is. And because initially, it's very easy to, to uh, lean heavily on these three categories that I just presented. Uh, but essentially, there's an even higher category because we just don't perceive it directly at this point. And that's called the divine or the things that we don't perceive that we know control. Or we we don't see them, but we see their effect, let's say. And the the only reason we actually give any credence that that such a uh, condition exists is because it's been memorialized, meaning recorded throughout history. And, you know, of course, the, people preempt uh, uh, study into these things based on their uh, upbringing, their personal desire and all that. And the other thing is, if you lean heavy on your own personal desires, what you like, in other words, your favorite color, your favorite food, your favorite shirt or whatever, if you lean too heavily on that, let's just not even say to being narcissistic. But if you still lean heavily on what you prefer strictly, you're not going to be able to see things objectively anyway you see. So the objective thought form uh, is not your own, right? Because if something is clear, in other words, for something to be objective, it should be presented with clarity and anyone can see it. But no, not anyone can see it. So what's going on? If it's so clear and so visible and so discernible, yet very few can see it, is it really that clear and discernible or is it still hidden? Or is it that those that can't see it are blocked? And I would guess the latter. Actually, more than guess, let's just say softly, I guess. But I know it's the latter, and it's for sure the latter, meaning the people are blocked. And why do yeah, I man, say this? Because you can you could see it's been memorialized.
0: Hmm. You've talked a lot about the elite classes, whether it's the people that you know we want to presume are at the top or the people that have administrative positions that are still considered to be elite. And in the past, you've lampooned, for example, the academics by describing them as people that only have the appearance of having knowledge. And some of the markers for that is, you know, the circular way that they talk or their system of peer review where they just approve of each other for not breaking rank. So to transpose that kind of analysis to what we're talking about here, what are some of the markers of somebody who doesn't have the right mindset but does have the appearance of having the right mindset just so that you know people can recognize that whether it's somebody who looks wise and isn't or somebody uses a kind
1: of rhetoric that falsely indicates what they understand simply put like you said the academics are typically going to find them in the educational institutions from the preschool kindergarten all the way up to the doctorate level what they call university though that's a very you know again the institution, you know, this is, let's say, a, a pork sausage factory. Do you expect to go there and see uh, millions of gallons of strawberry ice cream being made? No, you're going to be seeing slaughtered pigs. So this is the academia, for example. And if you study the history of academia, you'll see it is another one of these tools. Uh, uh, and if you study, for example, the educational institution, it is a well-known fact, very well established, especially in the Western world, that over 50 years ago, education has been brought down. The level has been brought down that it's actually laughable. Right. Um, So to pursue a higher education is to pursue higher laughability and ridiculousness. I used to have a saying that if you actually believe anything that you've been taught beyond the eighth year of school, it most likely will do irreparable damage to you. So with these academics, they typically want them to have higher university degrees. So that means another eight or ten years of school. Right at least. So we're talking about people that are at this point lost and they're basically tools being used by that first group as a buffer zone. And if you study some of the ancient societies, I remember coming across over a decade ago, how the academics uh, uh, with the uh, law merchants, which are known as attorneys were are, are held firmly within society as a buffer zone between the elite and also to keep society on a normal path, let's say. Right. An example for that would be let's say someone uh, invents a small box or something you put in your pocket and it powers an entire house. Well, the first, uh, that, well the, that's determined, that news goes up to the, uh, if they, they, the way things are now, they would know it as you were doing it because you go online and order things and talk and all that's being uh, flagged, for example. But once you establish that or are on your way to establish, let's say, a device that can do such a thing, uh, the first thing they do is sick academia on you. Where did you get your degree? You know, let's say this is a bus driver that did this, you know, with basically no high, not even a high school education, let's say. Um, the first thing they do is they sick academia on you. Where did you get your Ph.D. in physics? Oh, he doesn't listen to everyone. He thinks he has a device. And that's all fake, you know, all the demonstrations that he's showing at powering a house, a little tiny device. Doesn't use any fuel, as we know. That's all fake, and he doesn't even have a physics degree. Ha, ha ha! ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the masses will agree with the academics, and this man will be shunned. You see? The same thing if someone comes up with quote unquote, a cure for cancer. the first thing they do is sick uh, academia. Where did you get your medical degree? Ha, ha, ha! He doesn't have a medical degree. All those are fake testimonies. You see how it goes? On and on and on. The same happens with the legal stuff. The same thing happens with the science stuff. Same thing happens with the religious stuff. You can go on and on and on categorically, and this is how academia is being used. Also, it's to waste your time. Also, it's a form of entertainment. In the old Roman courts, they used to bring in Greek scientists, academicians to demonstrate things to the royal court of the Caesars and others as entertainment. Many of the magicians, the illusionists that you see, uh, borrow from, they always have their ear on the door or know uh, a quote unquote scientist to use their, right? To deceive the public, right? You see how it's used? So um, it's basically a buffer zone. That's, that's a simple way to see that, you know, are, are, what kind of a tool are they, right? Another thing is by just sheer experience, if you're working amongst institutions that are educational or academic and you start revealing things that just simply aren't true, you're kicked, you're ousted from the institution, right? The same thing, let's say a doctor comes up with something that really cures something in a simple way. What's the first thing that happens to him that's, you know that gets him out of that field? He, will, he can no longer practice medicine. And if you try to do it, we'll put you in prison for practicing without a license because we took that from you right people people in the religious field the same Uh, lawyers don't know attorneys don't know the law how do i know that it's a very general statement but it's very accurate because if an attorney knows the law and he tries to actually use it in the court he will be disbarred right doctors don't know how the human body works because if they actually learned how the human body works and they started practicing that way they would lose their medical license so, mm. so the way uh, you get real information is by some form of uh, con- congregation, in other words, of, of extraordinary people communicating. And this is the way it's been for thousands of years. I'm not disc- This is not news, even though some people might tune into this and say, this is really different than what I've heard before. But, however, we can already establish,
0: and we have already established, that the elite classes act as a buffer. So what I'm trying to say is, if we turn away from the elite classes, because people still go about their daily lives interacting with each other, for example, their family members or their friends, particularly the young children, are influenced by celebrities and so on and so forth. So what is the identifying marker to look for when you're going about your daily life and you aren't in constant... Um, connection with an elite person like how, how does a child even look at his hands well, to see that she doesn't have
1: the right mindset well the people that are uh, administering and controlling are not elite at all they're actually even less they seem like they have privilege but if uh, you knew what they had to go through or to sustain that position you would you would turn your stomach right And this is in any field right uh, in other words be compromised heavily um, so the elite are just sitting back. It's just livestock management for them. And the way that you know uh, uh, how discerning it is, by if, you, if the person is functioning in an institutional capacity, they're full of crap. Because they can't be there by telling, but with true knowledge and re- you know, you see what I mean? This has been throughout history. Even during the times of the Renaissance, the European Renaissance, it was the same thing. Right. So if a person, and this is a long, this is the, the long and the short of it. Essentially, you're going to have to spend more than five minutes in your lifetime discovering the truth about any subject you're interested in on your own. Right. And within five minutes of studying it, meaning you have to know the history of it. Right. You go back from the beginning when this was introduced in the culture or humankind and then move forward. You, you can make a personal determination there and say, well, this is not for me. Or you might say, this is not for me, but I need to know it because I run into this stuff all the time. It's an anarchistic point of view. Anar means without, and ar- 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 arcos means leader. It's a leaderless thought pattern. Hmm. You know, like all revolutionaries are actually closet aristocrats, right? Frank Herbert said that. There, there's no such thing as a as someone that wants to be a leader or free of people or change society that is not in a secretive way just like those that are ruling right now and he's just envious of it and he and they may not be personally uh responsible for such a thought but they're raised in that concept so don't buy into any form of a a movement or organization uh with uh, a human leadership that's based on the uh the normal way you people have been taught society goes through changes is done the normal way we've been taught there are changes. Is there's the discarding, obsolescence of old things, new things come in, or a revival of new old things, or there's revolution. And that's I wanted to touch on that also. This might be pertinent to the question, but I wanted to get it in there. I don't know how much how we are on time. But people essentially, if you want to learn how this these creatures work, meaning the masses, uh, they hate peace and harmony. Now, if it sounds crazy, Greek, because I could go out on the street and interview a million people in the next 10 years, and they're all going to pretty much say they would like peace and harmony. Yes, but don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Peace and harmony to the average masses is, is really a, a stagnative death to them. How do I know this? Well, for centuries, newspapers in print have been sold based on what? Sensationalism. How many times have you heard people gathering together and uh, forming you know, unity and productivity for, I don't know, a holiday or uh, some cause that should be, let's say to edify or help other people. On what scale is that done compared to people coming together and productivity when war is declared, right? So. You're going to see that people get, uh, they do like violence if you look at their, uh, what they call current events or the nightly news or whatever. If there isn't anything violent or uh, scandalous, it's how was the news? Ah, there was nothing on the news tonight. Right? People like violence, they like scandal. And this goes all the way up because eh, aren't you going to have the principal, let's say presidents or the chief administrators say we have to go fight this enemy? Don't you have the religious leaders say the same thing on and on and on? People just hate peace and harmony. Who was put in front of you as the head of a religion is the administrator. He's just a, a figure. you see. Uh, the same with uh, governments. It's the same, you know, you know all, all the even the if you study your monarchies in the world today, they're they're not uh, real monarchies, right? They were just like, if you look at the Middle East, they were put there by the British and the French in the 1920s. If you look at the English monarchy, the Queen, that whole genealogy fell apart in the late 1400s with King Edward. That lineage, the, the real, for example, the real king by lineage and bloodline lives somewhere in Australia in a small, you know, thousand square foot house. I think he's like, a he operates a rice mill or something. Right? It's not hard Do you to find. know fu- who he is? Yeah, he does. Yeah. He okay. it's well he found out later on in life. But it's not hard. In other words, it's not these are not these are actual things anyone can look up. The King mm. of Jordan is not he he was just a bunch of people that the British and French said so you're the king now. Okay. Hashemite Kingdom. Yeah. I mean all the oh, they're all like that. The the the, okay. the the only one that might have survived something was is the the show of Japan. Mm. Right. So, uh, this is a ridiculous, ridiculous world. And it doesn't mean you have to plunge into it uh, as you've been told wholeheartedly, you know, reserve yourself. In other words, the advice that I would give to, well, especially young people, I feel sorry for the young people because the older people have nothing to say worthwhile anymore. But if you're going to do anything other than food, clothing, and shelter. See, if your belly growls, you need something to eat. If you're thirsty, you should drink something. And if you need to sleep, you should find a comfortable place to rest. But anything else outside of that, you should spend at least five minutes studying what it's based on.
0: Let's move on to talk about objectivity, and then perhaps we can tie that back to the idea of having a, a proper mindset. So it's safe to say that it's better to know something than to think that you know something, right? Although people endlessly debate the difference between those two things but in any case I think most people appreciate the comfort that comes from acting out of assurance rather than assumption so I bring up the concept of objectivity because I think to fully make sense of something you have to be able to first grab a hold of it with your rationality and examine it so what I want to ask the Greek is how would you say that objectivity is brought to bear on the process of parsing the world And you sort of touched on that a little bit but to make it more concise
1: well, uh, to make it the most concise right now in what's called the information age, people are being uh, dying a slow death through information. The same way uh, it's been uh, uh, any institution is there to protect those that control pretty much what they think is everything. All right. So you, so again, just to go back uh, to, I guess, maybe how do you objectify and how where is the knowledge and, and knowing versus thinking, you know, um, uh, on on one hand, you could say it's shameful for someone to walk around saying that they have a credit card debt. It's actually uh, absolutely shameful for me to even hear that. Right. And, and if you listen to them, they'll say, well, they'll come and take my stuff away. Now they're being motivated by penalty. Right. They look at all the stuff that's been put in front of them as being knowledge. Where in reality, there was. <laughs> right. It's they agreed. To pay it back right if you ever look at a credit card application it says we can report on our credit experience with you it doesn't say that you have to pay your debt right? there's no debt uh, the same thing goes with the medical people uh, on both ends uh, the patient you know those receiving the care and those dishing it out they think they know but they don't know so uh, on many aspects of it again five minutes spend five minutes researching it And then you'll know if you want to continue researching it or not Uh, right now people are having death by internet right and and in some cases literally with the type of power and meaning and amplitude that they want to put out with cell phone towers you know you hear a little bit about that some of those rumors are are spurious but uh, the truth of it is that it's true it is a very in other words death by information indeed So, so, what is the importance of the objectivity aspect for parsing that reality? When to get the objectivity allows you to operate on a higher, on a more efficient level. I've given the uh, the example prior to uh, years ago when there was a big survivalist movement in the U.S. about prepping for a coming disaster that was supposed to come around whatever ten years ago, and it never did. Right. There are people that went out and invested in a lot of photovoltaic panels, 12-volt systems, off-the-grid type stuff. That's just sitting around doing nothing now. What kind of efficiency was that? Because they took in the information thinking that they knew, but um, it was just bovine excrement. So how do you discern that? You know, I use the thing about edible corn. You know, if you're really hungry, would you eat undigested corn out of someone's poo? How tempting would that be? Well, it depends on how hungry you are. But the, I, I noticed that the masses are always eating, they're not eating corn. They're leaving the corn, they're eating the poop. I would rather have fresh, clean corn, not stuff stuff that's been eaten. And that, how many times have you heard spinning of information where it's been processed, you know, it's been filtered out. That's what the masses, you know, everyone agrees to. How many times have you heard that? That's what everyone agreed to, right? going back to what i said earlier everything on this earth is based on what you agree to your contracts your your vows do you say what you mean and mean what you say it's a it's a place of secrets but yet the secrets are hidden in plain sight and so what
0: i'm trying to sort of look at is the interplay between objectivity on one hand and subjectivity on another hand in how you either uncover those secrets or come to understand those secrets if they're presented to you because what you've said quite often is that these things are hidden in plain sight. So the secrets are still there for people to observe, but they don't necessarily know what they're seeing. So let me present this. Um, There's a way that the world has been conceptualized in modern times, which is that there's an external world and it's full of objects like buildings and vehicles and people and such. And these things exist whether anyone likes it or not, independent of your belief or your opinions or your preferences. So that is said to be an objective existence. And then you have the subjective world, which consists of internal states of mind that are not ontologically objective. So if we presume that to be accurate, then what I'm seeing is that modern man has a sort of difficulty in in describing the objective reality, which is a little bit of what you're saying. And as a result of that, though, what you have is a form of skepticism that has arisen where people discount the objective reality altogether now. So we see that with postmodernism, we see that with social constructivism. And so my question is, what kind of response should you have to this overemphasis that we're seeing in the world on subjective worldviews where people just make stuff up?
1: People would rather have the sub- subjectivity because it's a known assailant. Right. It's a known assailant. Uh, they've already agreed on what is not known and is known. And even if what is known is false. It's okay. Because we, we seem to be living another day. Where when you begin to know The more you do know, the more you subject yourself to what you don't know. Where the subjective person will say, well, I don't know anything about that, but I'm just going to do what everyone else is doing. So at least the assailant there is known. At least the unknown is known by others, and I have some um, protection by numbers. Where the one who is objective... The more he begins to know and he moves on to another thing to know, he's actually, because he doesn't know of it yet or know much about it yet, he is subjecting himself to pure unknown. It's an unknown assailant on the psyche. So it actually takes uh, the bold and the strong to know and the weak and the cowardly to be subjective. Hmm. Another thing that is
0: reoccurring that I see a lot is this idea of the truth, right? Sometimes stylized with a capital T. And we see it talked about quite loftily by philosophers and politicians and religious leaders to the point where a version of that kind of rhetoric has been created for the masses now and promulgated mainly through New Age and, you know, leftist media and public figures who encourage people to speak their truth, right? So it's not the truth, but speak your truth. And so... People have a lot to say about truth today, either way, but when you hold their feet to the fire, it's revealed quite quickly that their truth is just conjecture and subjectivity. Like, I like this, or my belief is that. How would you the, say that that becomes the de facto mindset?
1: Well, just like that, they're cowards, and they're weak. <laughs> it's very simple, and that's the norm. Uh, actually, the, the what you hear when you hear people being in the military and proud of it, those are all the cowards and the weak ones. The special forces, even the special forces, are subject to that uh, character right now, believe it or not. But a true warrior will never admit that he's gone uh, into a campaign with pride. You see. Um, uh, Another way to say it is, um, truth to a pig is just pouring slop into a trough. It's time to eat. The same thing, the same truth for the pig would be if you had a, let's say, hut cuisine five-star meal prepared and poured it into the trough. That's truth also. Now, which one is more effective for those managing the pigs? To just get whatever slop and satisfy the pig or to be more perfect and get a five-star meal and put it in the trough for the pig when the pig really finds them both to be quite adequate? So what you're actually witnessing with the crap that the masses feed on and the different levels is actually operating on a high level of efficiency based on the fact and the known established observation that humans do not like peace and harmony. They say they do, but a pig snorts and grunts, right? He grunts the same way and snorts the same way when he's happy. And when he's sad, the pig does. But when he's in extreme discomfort, they let out this really ear-piercing squeal, right? So most people will say they want peace and harmony, but I see them get very excited when there's controversy, um, scandal, and war. Yeah, but can you show me a time in history where that's not the case? I'm not saying that there it was not the case at any point. I'm just saying this is a cross-sectional view. If we're going to take a cross-section of humanity, at any time in history it'll pretty much be the same the interesting thing of it the shameful interesting thing of it is most times most people that uh, are apologetic uh try to like they're representing the good side of humanity will say well they didn't know any better that's the shameful part because okay it was not difficult to know better okay wait, wait hold on though
0: because if it's if it's not difficult to know better then we should be able to find some reasonable sample size of people that knew better so if we're saying that that cannot be found at any point in history then we're talking about a condition that is internal to the human existence right you can't separate the penchant for violence from what it means to be a human being so how can you then also say that it's an indictment
1: when it's a permanent condition it is well the, those you will never hear of the of the reality of what's happening on earth institutionally because you can't exist in an institution unless you tow the uh, the bovine excrement, right? But if you look closely, uh, there how many times have you heard of um, uh, writers, philosophers, scientists uh, have very stark criticism about the things going on in their day throughout history all the way all the way back to ancient times, mm. right? So there's always been a small group uh, that might be you you like we said earlier the extraordinary ones. If you read any of the ancient writs in any culture, there's always a small extraordinary group, and there's actually two. There's the one that's put in front of the masses, which is total you know crap. Usually it can't be substantiated, and then there, there's the reality of the extraordinary group that are just sit by the the wayside patient. Whether they have a good life or not, for whatever, you know, age they live to is another story. This is just the way this planet operates. Hmm. And the reason this is quite obvious, the reason we discuss this is for anyone who can grasp this and comprehend it and actually apply it, right? This is all applicative. Uh, You have a more efficient um, mindset. Mm-hmm. Again, back to the financial. People say, well, there's going to be a big financial crash and there's going to be problems, right? Well, they change a lot of financial systems by first creating a depression. Well, what does that mean? Well, on paper, uh, that happens often, but it doesn't happen often when they're, when the people lose their ability to gain food, clothing, and shelter. Then it's time to put on something that they wouldn't have accepted before. So right now, they let's say there's talk about a financial uh let's say, meltdown or whatever they, whatever they put out there, you have to say to yourself, well, we know it's a credit-based economy and we know that the amount of uh, currency that's put on the market is based on the birth rate. We know that for sure. But meaning the individual to himself and has all the facts to prove it. Uh, so the only way to actually crash the financial system, which actually, it would actually uh, raise the, the value of the currency very highly for whichever country did it first, was to lower the birth rate. So if you lower the birth rate, because there's less babies being born, there's less currency put into the market, the value of that currency will rise according to others. And it could rise to the point where no one else can use it because it's too expensive to use it. And then you, can, you can't you can do trade. And that's the r- really how it works. And you won't find this on the internet, really, even though it's the truth. And this is actually, you know, this is common knowledge amongst the first and second groups that we mentioned earlier. But the masses don't even bother, because if you throw... In the pig trough, that information next to it. Oh, you owe debt. They're going to eat it up the same, and and they're going to be more focused on the one that's going to come after them later, right? So when you hear something about this or that or the other, you have to see what it, what is the topical nature. Of, you know what's being discussed, right? And and what do I know about it? And then you make a judgment call. Is it a really call to urgency, or is it just another thing they're feeding all the, you know, the trough, put the feeding trough. And you'll find that the majority of anything and everything you've encountered outside of providing food, clothing and shelter for yourself is that way. It's just rubbish quality.
0: Let's um, wrap up on the objectivity bit with one last thing. So when you try to bring objectivity to bear on a situation, the pushback that people give is that you're being cynical or pessimistic or even judgmental, right? They don't want your evaluation to be based on the observable reality but rather on an attitude or a belief. So the conclusion that I draw from that is that a certain type of judgment has become taboo in popular thought, and we've all heard someone say that you shouldn't judge or don't judge, and they say that as a sort of transcendent moral claim that they feel is backed by, let's say, the biblical text or some other text. If we fall back on a definition that I've heard you use previously, then judgment is essentially making a decision that allows you to navigate objectively versus saying, I don't know what's going on, so let's just close our eyes and hope for the best. Can you expand a bit on that as far as how you can't be an effective judge of things without being objective?
1: Well, of course. It's another word for judgment is discernment. The reason we're having this um, stream right now or sonic event is because I've been very judgmental today, meaning that when I was out uh, traveling in an engine-driven wagon known as an automobile, Uh, I had seen a red light at an intersection and I made a judgment call. Should I speed up or should I slow down and stop, yield and stop? Now, when the people say it's too judgmental, it's because they're, they're just more interested in, you know, is he filling the trough the way that I'm used to, you know, having the trough filled? Right. Give you an example. Uh, on that, uh, years ago, I, I was there was a particular group. This is more thirty years ago, so they they had a lot of pride in doing organic, natural food, and it was a holiday, and it was New York City. So they said, well, we have all this like uh, food left over from this banquet. It was really high cuisine, and so let's go down and feed the homeless. Great. So we took a bunch of plates and covers and all that, and prepared all these meals with a wonderful food, you know, dishes, and we went down to the homeless in New York City, and we present this plate to them that, you know, you, it would be very expensive at a restaurant, and the homeless people look at it, and they threw it on the floor, and I said, no, I want hot dogs, right, so right. So, so at that point, do you, do you become judgmental if you say, well, look at this ungrateful son of a bitch, or do you just avoid the entire thing saying, of course, because that's what, you, right, the reason they're in such a condition is because they don't recognize you know uh, this or they are mentally unstable there's many reasons do is that a judgment call to actually make a determining factor like that right so that's what you see
0: in front of you i mean some homeless people wouldn't do that but Hmm. these ones seem to have done that
1: not all of them i'd say out of the 50 that we encountered half of them did that which is actually pretty damning right so when you look at the masses uh, and when I say just leave them alone, unless you have minimal – just keep it, you know, cordial. You want to look like a spy. You want to act like a, a, a spy in another country. You know, you're you're foreign. You're just observing. You know, you're not going to say, well, you're not going to tell them your life story and what they're doing wrong. You just, you know, you go to the auto parts store. Hi, how are you? Great. Okay, I'll eat this part. Thank you very much. Bye. And in the background, you might hear the guy saying. Well, my wife ran out my credit card debt. Or I have high blood pressure. I mean, you're going to stop and to try to educate the fool? Now, he might be one of the extraordinary ones. You might just give a, an investment in the opportunity, not in him, but in the opportunity, because if you don't say anything and you walk away, there's an opportunity lost there for you to discern whether this one is an extraordinary one that'll actually understand what you're saying or take heed to it and change his life and be more efficient instead of saying he has credit card debt and high blood pressure, which none of those things exist, unless you agree to it, right? So if you don't say anything, there's an opportunity lost, but then let's go back to the homeless people. Chances are if 50% of the people you talk to about objective things to, to kind of like change or make what they're doing better based on a judgment call of what they're saying is false or on the general perception, if 50% accepted, 50% rejected, that would still be a pretty high acceptance factor. But I'm telling you, you'd have to go through a 1,000 people before one, right, 0.01%. So you're gonna have to learn to lo- live your life with efficiency, right? And of course, fellowship with those that can only because from a spiritual sense, meaning to keep your own peace and harmony, which you hopefully you strive for, uh, it's best to have others to speak to about these things, but guard yourself because the, the general group is is not uh, is not ready for it. And you can take that whether it's misanthropic or not. Objectively, it's very misanthropic, but it doesn't mean you have to act su- as such on each individual level. In other words, the healthiest way to perform on Earth to so anyone visiting this planet, you should learn to hate the entire culture and society and ebb and flow of how things are done, but love the each one that you encounter as much. In other words, do the right thing. That's what love means, right? The actual group, the institutions, the structures, the religions, the culture is hateful. Is hateful and can be hated very easily as something abominable, something improper, something repugnant. But the individuals themselves... Um, if, you can, if, if they are open, and if they are wanted, want to act in a more efficient manner, right? Uh, they can be addressed maybe on an individual level. Not in a group form, though. It doesn't work mm. in a group.
0: The ending p- point of this stream is to find a way to tie together this idea of having a proper mindset and being objective. So if I were to ask the Greek what came first, the chicken or the egg, you would give me an answer because there is an actual answer to that it's not just this kind of open ended question it's a clear case of cause and effect so to transpose that idea to this case is there a cause and effect relationship between having the proper mindset and being objective so basically which one comes first the proper mindset or the penchant for being
1: objective the proper mindset's a sorting mechanism oh this is this is bunk this isn't right this is going to waste my time this isn't right Mm-hmm. this is this is I'll, I'll get hurt here here i won't a sort you know you sort out perceptions and information leading to you know or you might say established knowledge and you, you can't uh do that without having objectivity now the masses that are that are subjective they're not uh this is not this doesn't apply to them right mm-hmm. you see what i mean because um if you run into uh the masses, um, for example, uh, they go to the, the the witch doctors in white lab coats in the big buildings uh, that are expensive, for example, and they tell them they have blood pressure, right, and their blood pressure is too high, so they have to take medication. Well, what happens when the medication kills them, they get the sympathy from all the other ones because saying, oh, I'm sorry, that didn't, you know, it's so sad, you know, that he had blood pressure. Blood pressure, it took the medication. Maybe you could sue the drug companies, but you can't. But whatever, you could try. But, you know, and there's this, they have this harmony and this disastrous mode that they're living in. But, you know, when I see, when I hear someone dying of blood pressure medication, I'm like, that's ridiculous because there's no such thing as blood pressure in the body at all, anyway. If you go study it, you'll see that it's not even based on blood pressure itself, it's based on heartbeat, right? So, um, in other words, there's no positive pressure in the human body whatsoever. It's all slightly negative and everything moves under a slight vacuum. But if you if you actually uh, try to bring this forward, uh, well, there's no sympathy there. What are you talking about? You know, this person is dead. They always bring this up. You know, let's say you look at a story that's put out by government, institutions, science, religion or whatever. You know, um, let, let's say let's play their role. Let's let's do their what they do. This is a very simple way of saying it. Right. Uh, you're gonna say, uh, for example, you're gonna say, uh, oh, I went to this restaurant and I enjoyed the meal. Now, if you study that, uh, let's say I'm a government or an institution, science, religious, whatever. Well, the Greek just said he went to this restaurant. I checked up on it. That restaurant doesn't exist, right? It doesn't even exist. How could he go there and eat? Well, my response to that person that says that is, are you trying to question what I like to eat? How dare you question what I like to eat, right? Never address the point that the restaurant never existed. You see, so you see how so, it's not clear. Objectivity and subjectivity is mixed. If someone dies from blood pressure medication, and you go to them and say there's no such thing as blood pressure, and it's, well, they're dead. How dare you, right? Hmm. The hypocrisy. See, so you can't. There's nothing to work. When, when there's nothing to work with, so what's being put out by institutions and mainstream for thousands of years, and even now, even more, because, like I said, death by information, you can't work. There's nothing to, to work with there in reality. Uh, the best you can do is um, is reform it. In other words, take what you need and leave the rest. Right. And then you might have to process it. You know, like the other day, I went out and picked some carrots. Right. I can't just pick them out of the garden and throw them on a plate and eat. They have to be washed. They have to be. Peeled, you know, whatever, you know, depending prepared So what's so know so there's an objective and subjective mixing that has to be sorted via the mindset so let's say that someone wants the right mindset and
0: They want to be objective so that they can better parse the world But like you say it's a sorting mechanism. So you have to know what to sort you have to know what's important versus what's unimportant which takes us back to judgment how would you even identify what's important or develop the right value system to judge things
1: simple uh the easiest way to do that is uh you prioritize your existence now objectively you can't be more objective than that food clothing shelter meaning your physical existence because if you don't have if you're physically ceased to be your your consciousness goes into you know the abyss let's say right in other words you're you're uh you're dead So, in other words, the opposite of that would be alive. You need food, clothing, shelter, food, drink, right? Clothing and shelter, period. But there's also mental edification. Well, uh, if you're seeking out to be objective and raise the quality of your food, clothing, and shelter, there's going to be a tremendous amount of mental edification just on that path alone. That's enough to take up several lifetimes alone to do it well, right? Or you could just get public housing and food stamps, let's say, right? D- D- no, the, uh, yeah, no thanks. But actually, that is the proper thing to do, because when they took money out of the society, you were supposed to sign and get all the things that you needed. But they figured out that if we told people all to do sign their name and get everything they need, no one's going to want to work. So how are we going to maintain the streets and the industry and farms and... See, ultimately, you hear a lot of commentary about how the earth is set up and the power structure, and, oh, the Pope is bad, oh, the government's corrupt, oh, the deep state, oh, the drug companies, oh, the bankers, uh, you know, there's no one out there discussing You'll find, uh, you know, podcasts uh, and all this alternative media, but no, there's no one out there um, being apologetic for the elite. Yes, even though they worship the dark, uh, demonic beings that you read about, and all those things you don't want to read about. Let's say things that you've never read about, like ancient writs, They they have discovered that, um, you know, how many times have you heard like you know, satanic Hollywood, which is true, right? All these actors that you see on uh, TV and the movies, yeah, they all took it up the butt, right? Uh, All of them, not some of them. It's it's called the $20 million club, right? And this is, I mean, this is wicked. And when it comes to human sacrifice, uh, this is prevalent in all of your industries uh, uh, and institutions, right? I don't mean defending that aspect of it. That's horrible, and that needs to go. But what I mean is... Um uh, let's say you were put in charge of controlling what the masses see here educate their religion their food their medicine system would you want to do that i wouldn't want to do it right so the people that are controlling the the administration of the top uh, let's say those that believe that they own the world they do have a pretty even though they laugh at everything pretty much and they're foolish themselves they are um they've got quite the task right because they have to have remember people hate peace uh and harmony so they have to throw in enough chaos to keep the people happy but at the same time maintain enough peace and harmony that there isn't it doesn't go out of control the other way right because then you can't control at all right because even they even these let's say quote unquote satanists that rule the world um, do want a certain amount of beauty also let's say right at least up until now and that's the other thing you know there's um People are very naive uh, when you go look above the middle and higher part of society. You know, the first of the guys that and gals that think they own the world in the middle is the administrators, which are your president's kings, leaders of industry. And then you have the masses. Right. And then there's, you know, it, there's, these are not distinct lines. They're in medium lines, because when you look at the people that rule the masses, the presidents and kings, well, they have mayors and governors below them. Right. And then like uh, assembly people and people below that. And finally, you get to the masses. Um, When you start to uh, look at how they're all set up, um, it trickles down. In other words, it's not a. When I said earlier that the people that run this world are satanic or worship dark forces, that is not a conspiracy theory. That is a known established fact, because you, if you see how it trickles down, right? They consider the masses their slaves or their property. Uh, Throughout human history, when you were a slave, you had the religion and the culture of your master right so if a chinese lord bought an italian slave that italian slave now has to take on the religion of his chinese master you see and so forth and all the ways now if you look at the way architecture is presented right uh it go it 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 goes back to ancient gods that were malevolent let's say or what we call pagan gods If you look at, for example, the dollar bill on the US, right, on the back, that is all Freemasonic stuff. You know, Freemasons, you know, say, well, that's a conspiracy theory. No, it's true that it's secrets, you know, and eventually it's not difficult to study that it is malevolent at the top. But again, all of your your religious institutions are, uh, all of your medical, scientific, governmental, whatever, social, sports, anything, Hollywood, are all malevolent at the very top. In other words, they have allegiances to malevolent beings, whether it's human or non-human, all of them. There's no exception to this. Uh, you've heard of the <laughs> pedophilia rings in the in the Vatican, right? It's even mainstream. It, not the pedophilia rings, but the abuse, right? Hollywood, uh, is ma- It's it's been put mainstream, you know, and they always... Financial, it's been put mainstream. Uh, years ago, to give an example, there was a guy, I won't mention... Um, uh, the company, Eli Lilly. Anyway, uh, he walked in a little early to work one day. It was like a 40 story high rise somewhere in Chicago, I mean, uh, 80 story high-rise on the 40th floor. He goes in there. It's early. It's like five in the morning. It wasn't supposed to be until 730. And he goes down. And he sees the hall. The, the lights are up, but there's a door open. And the chief executives of the company were in there doing a satanic ritual seance with the candles and the pentagram and chicken blood and all that stuff, right, over a bunch of paperwork that they had, formulas of new drugs. That they were going to put out, right? This was told to me. This is the pharmaceutical people praying over their their formulas, you know, with O2. Uh, anyway, very often when I speak on these matters, I don't want anyone to to say, "Oh, well, I'm going to follow the Greek, or I believe him, or I don't believe him, or where is he?" I, All of the speculation and the way people hear, because very few people are actually listening, there's a difference. The way people hear Greek speak is irrelevant. What is relevant is that you've heard it and file it away for a later date.
0: I think we've gone quite far as far as time. So we're going to have to wrap up. And um, I will endeavor, of course, to get these podcasts uploaded as, as soon as possible. Undoubtedly, we're going to revisit some of this material in the future, hopefully next week. So um, unless there's anything else you want to conclude with Greek, I think I'm good. Do you have any finishing thoughts?
1: Well, the finishing thought is always consider, would uh, would you always deal with an enemy you know or an enemy that you don't know? And the objective one that's seeking knowledge does not mind encountering an enemy he doesn't know. Because he's brave and bold where the coward and the weak will always want to encounter an enemy they do know. Right? One is subjective, one is objective. The subjective Mm. masses that are weak and cowardly, well, if they don't know about something, what do they always say? This is just a recap. I'll just do what everyone else does, and I'll be fine. And I agree with them. Because we've already made a judgment call that those that say that are not extraordinary at all. Right? And they're all the same. Yeah, they look different, they smell different, they speak different, but they're generally the same. Just like no two loaves of bread baked alike. You can go to the store and see all these loaves of bread packaged identically, and they all look the same. Just grab one, but I'll tell you, go look very closely. You'll see there's a small discerning difference, but for general purposes and statistically, yes, they are the same. So most people you'll ever meet, whether they're friends, family, they're all the same. Don't be fooled. And on that note, I thank
0: everybody for listening and for tuning in. And Greek Speak will be back next time with a podcast on a different theme.